Welcome to the midweek Mission Ridge podcast known as Footnotes. Footnotes is here to give you some of the stuff that we didn't have time to cover in the sermon and encourage you to dig in deeper as you study the text. So let's dive in and check out what's in the footnotes. Welcome to another episode of Footnotes, the midweek Mission Ridge podcast of random things we didn't put in the sermon and extra discussion that's better with more people than just one. Woot woot. There you go. Wow. As you can as you can hear from that, we've got Jen on the podcast today. Hi, everybody. We haven't managed to get her to run away screaming yet. And then uh, also joining us, Rob Croyle. I'm gonna need more caffeine to match your enthusiasm. My goodness, this is all fake. This is all fake enthusiasm. I just sipped the coffee. Hi, I'm gonna, mine. I'm gonna keep sipping the coffee I so that we survive the this. <laughs> Well, I mean, Kool-Aid, tomorrow is Bunker Hill Day. I don't know what Bunker Hill Day is. I really hope it's nothing inappropriate because I just said that. But, you know. (laughs) (laughs) Bunker Hill, Jamestown, Kool-Aid. That's that's the progression my mind just went to. Oh, Jen, did you look it up? 1775, the Battle of of Bunker Hill. Thank you. Easy for you to say. Uh, During the siege of Boston in the early stages of the American Revolutionary War, the battle is named after Bunker Hill in Charleston, Charlestown, Massachusetts. Yeah, yeah. I remember that now. The Battle of Bunker Hill. Mm -hmm. Okay. There you go. Well, happy Bunker Hill Day. Tomorrow. Tomorrow, which you might be listening to this tomorrow. Wednesday is Bunker Wednesday Hill Day. Wednesday is Bunker there Hill Day. <laughs> the, the, the next day, anyway. This might be the shortcoming for Ooh, next week. The shortcoming, for, the shortcoming this week is we didn't have any shortcomings, so we don't know how to start this thing. Uh, but anyway. The Bunker Hill Day Parade 2020 has been canceled. <laughs> no. <sighs> Welcome to Footnotes, where we also teach you history? Maybe? Or at least random bits of it. All right. Historical facts every week. <coughs> oh my goodness. <laughs> well, that's fun. So let's uh, let's dive into the story. Uh, this week we were talking about Abraham again. Still, uh, still talking about Avraham. Uh, you had many sons. <laughs> about made Jen take a spit take there. <laughs> She's still got the water in her mouth. She hasn't managed to swallow uh, yet. There I'm it good. is. I'm safe, good. safe at last. Uh, anyway. Uh, dealing with the story of Avraham, the partner that God pursues, and this week we were talking about Avraham trying to kill his child. Um, it sounds so <laughs> awful when you say it that way. I'm just <laughs> trying to break us out of the lullaby effect here. This story is disturbing. God tells Abraham to go sacrifice his child. <laughs> so my favorite part, I listened to the sermon again. I missed the joke part, or don't remember what the joke is still. Yeah. That, that's a... No idea what the joke is. No idea what the joke is. Joke fell flat. But when I but when I had my son lay down on the chair and you if you watch the video you can't see Josh in the video. Oh, you got him to do that second service? Yeah. Yeah, second service. He was like, son, come here, lay down. (laughs) Which Josh had already heard the sermon, so I don't know why he fell for it. (laughs) And so and I had my I had my hand raised and I said, knife in hand, hand raised, you're my child. How traumatic is this? And I heard someone go, oh. <laughs> I guess the first time they connected that, ooh, this shouldn't have happened. Right. Like That seems, that seems a little problematic. That's going to create some family strife. 
right right there, which we'll probably talk about a little bit later. But family strife, traumatic experience. This is a this is a weird, messed up story. There's some we haven't really done this recently. We started off with Genesis doing this of pointing out the problems in in the story, and there are some problems like in Abraham's stories where you're like. That doesn't make sense. Why would you do that, right? Usually involving him calling somebody his sister. But uh, there's definitely some weird problems that we should wrestle with in this story. Uh, and Robbie, I think you did a really good job of, of bringing that out. We had a great conversation in my care group last night wrestling through some of the problems and, and the tensions of this story. But uh, yeah, so let's uh, let's dive into some of the, the extra goodness here. Um, there's some connections between this story and another story. Yeah, so Genesis 21, Isaac is born, and he's weaned, and he's circumcised, and uh, they're, they're celebrating as a family, and Ishmael laughs, and so Sarah says, send that son of the slave away. Be gone with thee, and 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 Abraham wrestles over that, and God says, "Listen to the voice of your wife," and so he does. And there's actually uh, connection points between Genesis 21, the story of Ishmael and Hagar leaving, and Genesis 22 with um, Abraham offering up Isaac. And so, uh, in 21:14, um, they. They leave early in the morning. In 22, verse 3, they leave early in the morning. In chapter 21, Abraham sets supplies on Hagar's shoulders. In 22, he sets supplies on Isaac's shoulders. Uh, in 21, Hagar puts the boy under a brush, under brush. I'm trying to say bush and brush at the same <laughs> time. That's fun. Uh, in 22... Um, Abraham puts his son on brush or on the stack of wood. Mm-hmm. Uh, 21, Hagar looks up to see the, the well. 22, Abraham looks up to see a ram. So God's provision in both. Um, and then there's a covenant that takes place in chapter 21 a- after Hagar's story. And there's a Reemphasizing of the covenant of God at the end of 22. Mm-hmm. So we see these connection points. So the author wants you to wrestle with, well, how are these stories the same? How are they different? And like we've seen throughout Genesis thus far, there's these connecting themes, themes, this connecting tissue, and there's something that, that the last story has to do with this next story and, and, and you can't just read the story by itself and get everything. Mm-hmm. Sure. There's another... I'm going to throw this one out, see what you do with this. Um, in 21, when Hagar puts him underneath the uh, the bush, one, um, just to point out to people, when you set a child underneath a bush because you expect him to die I pictured an infant Ishmael is 13 so either she bound him 
which might be another connection. Mm. Mm. Or what, like, why the heck is he sitting there under this bush and she's going to go off about a bow shot away? Now, because she doesn't want to see, she can't watch him die. I'm wondering, like, think about when you're sick, you're mm-hmm. pretty listless. and Could be, could like, be. Maybe he was just at that point of, like, no energy, no, like. Could be. Possible. Um, you know, we don't know. It doesn't say. The, the part, though, that I find really intriguing is the about a bow shot away. You can still see. Like, I can't shoot a bow further than I can see. But... What if she has a bow and she doesn't want to see him suffer and she's about a bow shot away? Mm. And that's why she's, uh, and she sat there and began to sob. Like, we're going to die. I don't want to see you suffer. So I'm going to go about a bow shot away. I'm going to end this. Yeah. Shoot, um, and the boy's also crying. Mm-hmm. Like that might be a thing. Now I don't, I don't have, I don't have a lot. Of, I've just barely because I was thought about this during the sermon. And I was like, oh, and so I've started to look at it, but I haven't tracked down any substantiating evidence for this. Well, and there's a couple, but words that get repeated throughout twenty two, and and one of them is is here I am. I guess repeated mm-hmm. three times. Mm-hmm. Behold shares the same root word, and so uh, that's repeated twice. So five times this this Hebrew word, and and Hebrew is a, it's a pictorial. The letters are pictures, and so when you're looking at the the text in the original Hebrew, and you see these these repetitions of word, it's this repetition, this picture being repeated over and over and over again. And so when we say it's the same root word, it, the, the significance is greater mm-hmm. in Hebrew than it would be in, in English. Sure. You may be able to catch it. And, we, and we've seen poems written out that way. So be maybe like assonance. Um, no, not assonance. Alliteration. No. Ah, come on, poetry. The one where they all start with the same letter. So your word starts, if you write something and every phrase starts with A, right? Or or, or even the way we use uh, rap. Yeah. In, in the way, you know, when, when a rhyme just kind of highlights something cool. Mm-hmm. And, uh, and so, it, but like it sounds good. It's memorable because of the rhyme, but, but it's also memorable because of the picture that's being presented and, mm-hmm. and and sometimes you hear just a rap lyric and you're like oh, oh, oh man that, that was, was clever that mm-hmm. was tasty so um so here i am is is one of the repeated words and then um to see and to provide and we get the you know jehovah jireh uh, comes out of this. Jaira has uh, a root, um, and going off the top of my head, I think it's Ray. Is is the word? Is the root word? But to see and to provide is this common common theme too. And I think I think 
that word to behold mm -hmm. connects back to I, I, here I, I am. Want, I don't want to see my son die. Oh, he, okay. Back to, back to 21. And um, so just some interesting connections. Uh, what the what the rabbis will say is that Abraham stayed connected. Hmm. He stayed connected in through this challenging time and and for me when when Jasmine when my daughter when my youngest was going through all their surgeries staying connected emotionally to Jasmine was challenging in in the light of the just how weighty the situation was mm -hmm. I found it difficult to stay connected. Hmm. I didn't. I wanted to escape. I wanted to emotionally. I wanted to run. Mm -hmm. And and it, and I find myself going, "Oh, you're not connected, Rob. Like, <laughs> stay here. Mm -hmm. Yep, this is challenging. Stay here." Hmm. <laughs> and so. I know Abraham, he's wrestling throughout this time. And and twice, you know, God says, you have not withheld your son, your only son from me. And I think, like the idea that the relationship with God was greater than the relationship with the son. Like that's, that's something that, that Jesus, Jesus talks about. Sure. Doesn't mean that we don't have to live that connection with our God in redemptive ways like we still that still is true mm. nice this is a weird question how old was Isaac when because wasn't he a teenager as well oh man this is a great question we were talking about this <laughs> so this is a matter for debate <laughs> like everything <laughs> it seems <laughs> There's uh what have been told, what have read, yeah, is that if there are two Jews, there's three opinions. <laughs> so and, it is said. And and so but and what that means is culturally we're were we We like our black and white. Mm-hmm. Things need to be clear cut. We want there is an ex explanation. We want you on one side or the other. Yes. Right. Are you conservative or are you liberal? Are you this or that? Are you pro-choice or pro-life? Yeah, like, like pick one. And there's no gray area. Mm -hmm. And in the God in, forbid there be gray area to live in. In 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 the Jewish culture, they're they'll disagree with themselves, and mm -hmm. I I actually I find that I find I that, that liberating, personally. Yeah, I like the gray area, but that's just me. So, to your question though. That was a very long segue to the question, but I like it. I but like it. It applies. <laughs> it applies. It helps us understand this. Because segues aren't very long, typically. I mean, they're. Oh, jeez. Does, does anyone even know what a segue is anymore? Nobody uses those. It's my favorite joke for the day. Oh. But <laughs> um. Yikes! Go and find the meaning of this dun, dun, in the sermon. Dun, 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 dun. Anyway, uh. Jeez. <laughs> so. There, there's there's a train of thought that says that Isaac is up to 37. Oh, 
Dang. And the reason for that is found in the next chapter because it's Sarah dies immediately after this and she is 127. She's 90 when she has Isaac. And so thus, Isaac would be 37 if this occurs right before Sarah dies. Um, <clears throat> however, there is another train of thought, which our good friend Marty, this is where I learned it from. I learned it from him and I checked in with him and apparently it comes from a midrash. Um, so reader beware mm-hmm. um that and i've started to wade through those a little bit but they're they're a little bit all over the place they're a little squirrely um which ties back to our multiple opinions Gray. many yeah, opinions yeah. yeah well in the first one you identified there at 37 that's all that also comes from a midrash yes yes that does yeah that also comes from midrash um uh, yeah. different yeah different diff- different yeah. midrashes um and different schools of thought and so the other the other side is that he is 13 um which which is the age that ishmael is, is. that that ishmael that's where is, i was going is leaving and it makes sense the i don't know for for me just reading it i would have assumed that uh we all know the danger of assuming but mm-hmm. i would have assumed that isaac is younger he's old enough to carry wood right but he's like it doesn't make a lot of sense for him to be a fully grown man like right. in my mind if he's over 16 he's if he's over dad. like he's now a yeah um well, it seems believe, very odd to me for him to not be younger i believe the implication and and i didn't read one of the reasons why i didn't read 21 is because that's all. It adds some messiness to the story. I mean, you you send your your son away, and God God calls Isaac your only son. Right. The son that you, whom you love, take your son, your only son Isaac, whom you love. Mm-hmm. Like, like yes, God told Abraham to listen to the voice of his wife, but. But the fact that the family that God is partnering with pushes someone out to the margins. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And says, mm, you're causing too many problems. Sure. And and his it's a second son that's faced death. And if it's the same age, second son to face death at thirteen. <clears throat> yep. Well, and, and here's a where the parent, through circumstances, is required to step in and take take a life. Right. Yep. So here's a here's another tidbit of thought on that on that train. Um, we've seen previously in the story. Abraham has to give up Lot, who was, you know, he brings his nephew along, and nope, nope, it's, your nation isn't going to be through Lot, right? Uh, So his actions where he doesn't trust God's provision, he doesn't trust God's story, he has to let those things go. So in God telling him to obey the voice of his wife, he has to let Ishmael go. He has no fallback if it's, I mean, unless it was like the next day, which it's not because Isaac is old enough to carry wood. Right. So the, a 
Ishmael's off doing his own thing. He is gone. Abraham might not have any idea where he's at. Right. There's no fallback for Isaac. There's no other children. Isaac is it. And I feel like that makes the maybe the faithfulness of Abraham in this scenario, um, whether it's whether it's he knows that God's going to provide or he's he's trusting that God is going to provide a way out or with his, his long walk around or resurrection or what whatever the case mm-hmm. may be, there's 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 a lot of faith going on here. I don't want to detract from that. And I feel like this the only son whom you love I feel like that might be sticking it to like no this is se- like you you know how serious this is right right are you going to trust me this is serious but are you going to trust me right mm. I feel like ooh I just I like I like that imagery a lot because I think that just really speaks to the power of the story yep tasty stuff anyway um which that that brings up this this tension that is this undercurrent in the entire story of God's promise because God has said through Isaac mm-hmm. right but then God also commands him to go do this sacrifice which seems weird right right but this tension that Abraham is having to wrestle with as he's journeying to the mountain of, but you said this, but you also said this. How is this going to play? Like, these two don't seem to go together. Well, and, I, and isn't that the tension that the disciples wrestled with? Absolutely. Yeah. You are the Messiah... The Messiah brings kingdom. Yep. How can you bring kingdom if you die? Right. That makes it more difficult, it would seem. Right. Survey says. Unless. <laughs> unless you're the son of God. Unless you're a God of resurrection. <laughs> Boom. Yeah. Right there. Yeah. Yeah, that tension, though. Like, imagine yourself walking that out. Ooh. Mm-hmm. And trying to keep a 13-year-old distracted. Or right. a 37-year-old. <laughs> I don't think it was 37. <laughs> it just doesn't make sense to me. <laughs> no, it doesn't. But there was, you know, when my when I retired from the Air National Guard, uh, my dad was was very sick. Uh he, he had two types of cancer and my mom had just gone through about with H1N1. Mm. And um, and she was still recovering. She had to relearn everything. She didn't know how to do math. Oh, my gosh. Uh, she had a stroke, a series of strokes while she was in the hospital. My dad was told that she would never drive. She'd never work. Uh, she would never really have a meaningful existence, and they were completely wrong. I mean, she drove again. She worked again. She taught herself how to do math, how to do accounting again mm-hmm. uh, within about a year. But I, I, 
I felt I've always felt like I was supposed to be in ministry. And yet my family was in need. And, and so there was a part of me with this tension of am I in taking care of family and helping my parents, is is this hurting my chances, you know, right. towards ministry? Mm-hmm. And so I, I get that tension of like, uh, this is something that God has told me, but 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 right now it seems like I'm dealing with this other piece, and this this is take this is more important, or this is more prominent at this point. And um, I think uh, it it, t- it does take faith during those moments just to keep pressing in and and trusting that God's got a good story. Mm-hmm. Yes, indeed. All right. Well, let's uh, let's talk. Let's talk through a little bit of uh, living out the implication for this week. Living out the implication. Let's do it. <laughs> so, what work are we going to be doing? Uh, what work are we doing to build out healthy families? What work are we doing to be healthy for our families? would be the questions that Jenna Fear posed <laughs> earlier. Yes, I did. Did uh, you have good answers to those, or were you asking me? Because I have no good answers. For <laughs> <laughs> I, I thought you had all the answers. I, I do have answers. They're just not good. Okay. Uh, I have been thinking about it, and I was like, what work are we doing to build healthy families? Um, and I think a lot of times building healthy families almost looks counterintuitive because you have to go back and you have to look at the pain of the past and the hard that happened there and work through that in order to rebuild the foundation. Like um, I read a quote once. I love quotes. Um, Like just as much as trauma is passed down to your family, healing can be passed down to your family. Ooh. Yeah. I like that. But you can't just ignore the fact that there was trauma or there was pain. And I think, Mm. I think right now trauma is kind of like, Oh, I have a traumatic past and some people really do. But I also think that sometimes we just had hard childhoods or our expectation of what our parents should have done. Didn't match up with what they did do. And that's not trauma. That's just unmet expectations, which so, Mm. um, so the term gets thrown around maybe a little too liberally. Okay. Yeah. Well, trauma, I think is, is on a, first of all, it's on a continuum. Mm-hmm. Um, a little bit of trauma, a, a, a small amount of trauma repeated a thousand times. That becomes big trauma. Becomes, you know, there's a cumulative effect there, or you could have one Big event and and with one right mm. acute trauma versus chronic trauma right um, <laughs> counseling degrees coming out oh uh, yeah I, <laughs> that's why we put her on here <laughs> I think the challenge is 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 one recognizing the trauma that we experience and that that it actually was trauma mm-hmm. when I told. When I told the guy, I t- when I told the counselor that my dad used to send me to my room so that he could settle down, 
because he didn't want to discipline me out of anger. Mm-hmm. And he goes, was that traumatic? And I'm like, was it what? Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, it's not traumatic because that's what I do to my kids. Like, it can't be traumatic. You know? Right. <laughs> Uh, mm, uh. <laughs> <laughs> Which is the point? Yeah, that that logic might not be. I I don't know if I. What was it traumatic? He thought it should have been like interesting, like huh. because because my dad wasn't in control of his own. Like like it's transference in a sense. Mm-hmm. I think. Oh. You know, so huh. my dad's so I had to I had to own my dad's anger. I was the one who caused it, right? That like this okay. is this is what a five year old brain is processing. Sure. And I that, and I don't know what he's gonna do when you know, and I don't know how long I'm gonna be in here and hmm. and all those kinds of things. And so first of all, I think we have to come to grips with the fact that we've we experienced trauma mm-hmm. and we caught the capability to live out those same kind of like, like we thought that worked. It was normal. It was our normal. Right. And so we, we lived that out as, as parents Mm. and, and so, um, you know, for me, I, as a parent in creating, building healthy family today, the challenge is how do how do I have a redemptive conversation about what I did, right? And that impact on my on my kids, and how do we chart a new path, right? Together, because now mine are adult, at least adult age. Um, <laughs> snap, snap. No, they're all they're all adults. Um, I have adults, but for you, you have teenagers mm-hmm. and, you know, they are pretty independent thinkers in, in some ways. Yes, sir. <laughs> and so I think for me, like the challenging part is for me to watch my kids live out what I lived out. Mm-hmm. It's like, oh, please don't do that. Yeah. Yeah. You know. The hardest thing is watching them live out the natural consequences of the choices they make going, I really want to step in. I I could step in and I could rescue you, but you're not going to learn the lesson. And mm. you're going to grow so much more if I let this play out. Like, mm. whew. Um, I think one of the things I like have found in building a healthy relationship with my girls is like I'm quick to apologize when I've done something wrong. And right. I remember the first time I did that, um, they'd never had an adult apologize for snapping at them or being rude. And they're like, you can't apologize to me. You're an adult. And I'm like, but I did something wrong. Like, shouldn't shouldn't I say, please forgive me? I'm sorry if I did. Well... And it was like they didn't know how to formulate a thought about around that. Like, so. Hmm. Um, yeah. That's a thing. 
Mm-hmm. When I think oftentimes shame wants to keep us away from those kinds of conversations that mm-hmm. leads to change. Yeah. Um, shame and pride, I think, are, are two common enemies of building healthy family, of moving forward. And so either shame or pride will, will have a tendency to keep me from asking the hard questions of what was my part in that? Right. The one thing that I try to teach my kids in just in from a gener- general standpoint is own your part. Mm-hmm. Like there's a log somewhere in your eye. Like right. can you find that? Right. I know you can see the speck. Get that. Yep. You're right. See some specs. <laughs> Have you right. noticed the log? Yeah. And um, it's been fun to watch my kids come to me over certain conversations that that's happened recently, and and I and I see them go, and this was my part. I'm like, yes. Like to me, that shows maturity. Mm-hmm. When they go, but this was my part, and. And I and I and they were able to empathize with the other person, and go and I and I think this is what they're dealing with, mm-hmm. and I think continuing to have this old conversation doesn't help them. But if I change to this conversation, I think it actually helps them. And I'm like, oh, mm-hmm. what's going on here? That this prefrontal is beautiful. cortex is kicking on. Yeah, <laughs> don't turn that thing on. <laughs> My goodness, <laughs> let's all stay in the limbic. Yeah, you're supposed to live limbically. It's much better that way, obviously. Get that prefrontal out of here. Mm. (laughs) Oh, that's good stuff. That's good stuff. So yeah, your call to action this week. Question the truths you live by. Imitate the grace of Jesus. Expand your view of family. So let's talk real quick here that that first one. I feel like that first one warrants a little bit of discussion here. Uh questioning the truths that you live by. Um, part of this story with, with Abraham is uh, deconstructing his view of the the gods that mm-hmm. he would have been familiar with. Uh, you know, this, this child sacrifice worship in that manner would have been common. Um, and so there's, there's definitely a little bit of deconstruction going on here where God's saying, nope, I'm different, right? right? And you have a a slightly skewed perspective. Your truth that you're holding is a little askew. Um, And so wrestling with what truths do I hold on to? And I think this ties back to the, this ties back to what we were just talking about with the implication of understanding if I'm going to be in family with people, then Part of that is me, like I'm, like you said, Rob. This is my part of it, right? And so, understanding my part in the interactions with people, understanding the truths that I hold, mm-hmm. and being uh, having a clear picture of those truths, a clear understanding of what I'm holding on to and and why I'm holding on to it, is going to affect how I relate with the the various family relationships that I have. Right. 
<clears throat> so what do you think what do you think are the steps to if if I'm going to question the truths that I hold on to what does that look like tangibly in a day-to-day sort of manner how does one approach that what do you guys think hmm. well I think about the Protestant Reformation and the wrestling that Luther did and he comes to Romans and like he's a paid professional, mm-hmm. right? Mm-hmm. He get, he's a priest. Yep. He's on the church's payroll. This is what he's dedicated his life to. And he's and he's reading the scriptures, and he's like, uh, "This this does not match up to my experience within the church," which is a very scary thing, mm-hmm. I think, to come to grips with. Wait a minute. We're not living this out well. Mm-hmm. And uh, my, my understanding is he didn't want to start a new church. He he just wanted the church that he grew up in and loved and was serving in to come to grips. And so, uh, Get you know, back I, on track. Yeah, I think um, I think you have to be honest about this is what I'm living out. Like this mm-hmm. is these. Um, you know, one way you could look at it is like the fruit of the spirit. Do you do you see the fruit of the spirit in your interactions with with every people group or or every um, you know, with your kids, with your grandkids, with your friends, with your neighbors, with with every political group? Like, is there or or is that? Or is there a different kind of fruit for different kinds of people or different uh, circumstances? Mm-hmm. You know, are you living? That's why I brought the grace of Jesus in, into the conversation. Is like, is there a place where you're ungracious? Why, why is it okay to be ungracious there? Mm-hmm. That's that's a yeah, because that's going to be a warning light to some truth that you're holding on to, something that you're holding on to that's guiding your actions might be a little bit, might be a little askew. Right. Yeah, uh, for sure. Well, first, my first thought questions, the truth you live by is like, we're doing that as a whole systemically with the whole racial issues that are being mm. talked about. Like, I think a lot of people are questioning the truth they live by. Um, so that we talked about that a couple of weeks ago. Um, uh, but in my own family, my mom and I were having a conversation. Hi, mom. Um, <laughs> about she was listening to the podcast. She no, she listened to the sermon, and she's like, "I thought that you guys were going to be talking about Sabbath." And like I mentioned last week, was raised Seventh Day Adventist. My my mom was telling my aunt that she should listen to the sermon, and she's like, "I refuse to listen to it because it's not uh, a Sunday church, not a Saturday church." And it's like, and my mom's like, "What about this verse? And what about this? And what about when they talk about this?" And so my mom was like, "I think she just needs to stop. Like, like she needs to look at what the Bible says versus what she's really holding on to." And my mom was questioning the truth that she lives by, mm. um, and just like. It's it's okay to like enjoy God's word no matter where it comes from, and so. But my aunt was like, "Nope, it has to be on Saturday, or it's not good enough." And I was like, "It's a really scary stance to take," which hopefully my aunt doesn't listen to this 
podcast for the first time because, <laughs> but I don't know. <laughs> well, I mean, we could do a Saturday service too eventually. Yeah. Well, if you if you kind of know why you believe what you believe, but you're not not totally sure, sure. why you believe, like. Like I've always had this long held belief, but I can't put my finger on what drives that belief. Mm-hmm. Then, then, then question it. Like, right, yeah. do yeah. some research. And you, you talked about, you know, the racism and and the, just uh, the criminal justice system, uh, systemic racism. You know, those kinds of conversations that are going on right now. I've done I've done a lot of reading recently. I've done a lot. I've watched some documentaries. I've watched some movies. I've done some research, mm-hmm. and I have a different view today than I did a few weeks ago on some of these topics. Right. Mm-hmm. You know, and um, you know, I'd love to see our our state and federal officials look at just a whole slew of laws and, and our whole approach to um, the criminal justice system. I think when you when it starts out with criminal, mm-hmm. yeah, when that's the first word, mm-hmm. it's like our our goal with any kind of system should be restoration. Right. And if we're going to... Yeah, I, that's a... Boy, I could... There's a soapbox I could jump on and we could be <laughs> here for a long time. <laughs> Um, but take a look at a documentary called 13th and it's, it's about the 13th amendment and the criminal justice system and why we have 25% of the world's, uh, incarcerated population, but only 5% of the world's population. Wow. It's, it's out of balance. Mm Mm-hmm. Uh, and this came about because you were willing to question the truth that you were holding. Yeah. I yeah. I follow a lot, of pe- a lot of people on Twitter that I don't necessarily agree with because I want to hear their perspective. Yep. Right. I do that on purpose. Yeah. I find I find people I disagree with and I if they're, you know, whether it's a famous person or it's an actual person that I know, I prefer the people that I actually know. Right. Um, but I find people that I disagree with and I try to be friends with them because that brings, that's like a constant check because it it forces me to look at the truths because we're going to get into conversations, but I value you as a human. So I can't just push you out and block unfriend you. Right. Like you're my friend. So, Okay. Well, and our brain does an amazing thing of filling in the gaps for us, mm-hmm. uh, and we don't even think about that. But the way we actually, the way our eyes work, um, our brain is actually translating for us all the time, and absolutely fills fills in gaps. And when you first come to Christ, you learn maybe one point six percent, right, mm-hmm. to come to Christ, like to start the relationship. Mm-hmm. Oh, you're God. I'm not. You went to the cross. I need to know a whole lot more, but here we go. I'm in. Sure, it's the first step. First on step. The journey. First right. step on on a, on a lifetime journey yeah. in in an infinite God. So, if I'm ever done learning about an infinite God, problem probably isn't God. 
You probably right. made a wrong turn somewhere. <laughs> yeah. Hit a dead end. <laughs> <laughs> so I, I'm going to, my brain is going to fill in the gaps. It's going to take m- information and misinformation and interpretation and misinterpretation. Sure. And that's why discipleship is so important. And, and I, I see a lot of problems within the church as, as what I would call poor discipleship. Mm-hmm. Mm. Where someone either has not been completely discipled or they were discipled by someone who received some poor discipling. Just like, just like we as parents right. of betas and kids, <laughs> um, <laughs> we, they're... Our parenting is largely shaped by the parenting that we received. Mm-hmm. I am impressed at how Logan parents his fish. I, I put the fear of God in him. So help me. I <laughs> brought you into. Well, I brought you into this house. I can take you out of it. <laughs> yeah. So. He walks over to the toilet. <laughs> don't, don't, don't make me. You start flush behaving this again. Cannonball! You knock off that behavior. You hear Thanks. that toilet? Next anyway, time, no, it's, I you're don't do be that. I don't do that. My goodness, that often. <laughs> what? Oh, yikes! <laughs> Why is it that timeouts always by the toilet? <laughs> <laughs> That's, that would be so bad. <laughs> that would be so awesome. That's like putting your kid in timeout while having him look at the paddle. Like that's not okay, Dad. <laughs> what? That didn't just get real. It's fine. You know, it was it was good. It was good. It was fine. Uh, Man, we call, called out both of our parents in this. Uh, <laughs> please Yowza. don't, please don't listen to this. <laughs> uh, Iron in heaven. We could call them out all we want. <laughs> <laughs> oh, jeez. They're up there going, yeah, that's true. That was, yeah, that was true, too. <laughs> if I keep calling mine out, I might end up in heaven before them. So... Anyway, <laughs> yikes. No, that's a joke. That's a joke. My dad loves me. Um, <laughs> but let's going to put you in front of the paddle pretty soon. <laughs> <laughs> oh, I got stories. I got stories. He's really good at holding truth. He's really good at holding <laughs> truth. That's a that's a thing. But anyway, uh what is an expanded view of family? That's the th- that was the third call to, call to action. So we got these question these truths and then and then whatever the second one was, I didn't like that one. But Imitate. this third one. <laughs> what? Imitate the grace of Jesus. Nah, it's we the don't one need you that. don't like. Get that out of here. Get that out of here. <laughs> Get that out of here. <laughs> oh my god. No, 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 no. But I mean that one's that one's pretty to like, apply for the worship pastor position, please. I feel like that one's pretty obvious. <laughs> like, okay, imitate the grace of Jesus. Do it. It's like Nike or Shia LaBeouf. Just do it. <laughs> All right, good job. Nailed it. But expanding your view of family, what does that look like? What does that mean? Expanding the view of the family. Do we just like give them wide angle lenses? Do we all eat a bunch of Twinkies so the family expands? What <laughs> does this mean? Twinkie sounds so good. Well, as a <laughs> fairly homogenous white church, mm-hmm. yes. Um, expanding our view <clears throat> of family is is well beyond the blue blue eyed, blonde haired Aryan. Well, that's good because I don't have blue eyes or blonde hair. <laughs> Me either. No, it's um. You know, 
So obviously we've we've jumped from the like family biological family to now church family. Mm-hmm. So that's 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 we've taken the a leap jump. there. Yeah, there's so many implications here. Uh, I, Jennifer has has adopted two young ladies, or or is in the she's fostering and working to adopt two young ladies. Mm-hmm. Um, and so that's that's expanding your view of family. Going, hey, I could provide family. Mm-hmm. To those who don't have it, mm-hmm. um, the church as as a whole uh, can do the same thing. Should do the same thing to provide family, whether sure. it's an adoption of of uh, of children under the age of you know eighteen, or the gal that lives down the street. Right. Uh, you know, I know Jennifer and Scott. Have in some way, shape, or form adopted, you know, a friend. Mm-hmm. You know, they they really they care for her as family. Sure, right. this is sure the she had a car to drive when they were out of town. Yep, they went. Uh, they came home early to uh, take her camping with them. Like that's so seeing seeing the person that's living down the street. That doesn't have a ton of connection. That's that's a way of expanding the view of family, uh, mm-hmm. seeing other denominations and 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 not having to have uh, a quiz before we engage and how you know working together to solve problems. Pre-trib, post-trib. <laughs> you nope, know. nope. I gotta have that quiz. Gotta have the quiz in there. <laughs> you know, I don't know you, any of the answers to the quiz, but we should probably have it. Are you Calvinist? Are you Minimus? Like, which where do you land? You know. Mm-hmm. Yes. Um, Oh no! Oh no! Lauren, you know what he just did. <laughs> For the rest of you, I'm gonna save you from that. Anyway, uh, no. Th- th- what this reminds me of is the concept of bedav, right? Um, th- which we've talked about with Abraham. Like his, this is his group. He's got. 316 some odd people I think we learned at some point right. in his bed of that are part of this this nomadic group that travel together and no they're not all biologically related well I mean there was a lot of and she's my sister and all of that mm-hmm. but like they're they've formed this family group and you are all now a it's it's this tight close-knit community not mm-hmm. just we share the same geographic location, but we are going to interact and work with each other. And so I think part of this expanding the view of family is to say, okay, imagine with me, this is my bed off. Mm-hmm. Who needs to come inside? Who doesn't have a bed off? Who doesn't have a group? Who doesn't have a family? Who doesn't have mm-hmm. their people? Right. Who's out wandering alone on their in the wilderness that I can bring in, right? And create a place for. Um, or what other bedobs might I combine with? Mm-hmm. Which would be our denominational conversation there. Or you know, what bedobs do I need to go to war with? Maybe not so much. Maybe not, not so that much. one. Not Let's that one. leave that one at the door. Nice idea, but we'll just... But conflict is good. No? All right, fine. Another day. 
We'll go to war another day. <clears throat> we'll play board games and go to war Ooh. that way. Yeah. There we go. Okay, fine. We'll play Catan. Yes. Oh, yeah. And destroy the opposition, and then I'll be one big happy family afterwards? Yeah. yeah. Maybe? Uh, I don't know. Anyway. It's funny because you went that way, and I was like, it just makes me think of Friendsgiving, like, <laughs> where, like, you have your Thanksgiving with your family, but, and we all probably enjoy that to an extent, but how much more do we love Friendsgiving? Like, maybe I shouldn't say that because we know my mom's going to listen. I mean, they're both, I'm going to be honest, they're both favorites. Like, it's the, it's cherry and grape. They're both favorites. (laughs) I can't, don't make me pick. Yeah. There's just a like there's the intimacy of being known because of your family, your biological family, and then there's the intimacy of being known because you're chosen mm. into a friends group. Sure. And like that community that you have. Absolutely. So. Yeah, so um whether it's at at the friendship level, whether um whether it's inviting neighbors in, mm-hmm. um or or just seeing beyond um nationality mm-hmm. um you know i think of philip going to samaria mm. you know a place that was avoided and then and then philip goes and and engages with with the ethiopian eunuch and so like you see you see him like expand the view of family uh the apostle paul you know, multiple times says, it, you know, there's neither Jew nor Greek nor Scythian or barbarian, you know, right. slave or free. Yep. Um, you know, just, and, and especially when we're talking about race relations as, as a nation, and and we want to be a church that invites people in. And that and that's not just something we want to see from the stage. Yeah. That needs to happen at the individual level. Right. Yeah, because if it doesn't happen at the individual, it won't actually happen at the larger level. Right. Good stuff. And some of my friends shared that they've been to several churches, and and, and the churches, and it probably had nothing to do with race, probably just had to do with inviting people in. Mm Mm-hmm. In general, at least that's what I'm hoping. But um, when they're wondering if they're going to be accepted in Montana and and in the larger community, the answer is yes. But within the church world, their experience said, "No, maybe not." Mm-hmm. Right. Like that is super frustrating for me because that is that misses the heart of the gospel. Mm-hmm. Yep. And it misses the fact that we have a Middle Eastern rabbi. As a savior, right, and we were the ones that were invited in, in the first place. Mm-hmm. There you go. Mm-hmm. There you go. Cool beans. Well, thanks for joining us today, and we will catch you on the next episode of Footnotes. Bye. Bye. You've been listening to Footnotes on the Mission Ridge podcast. For more information about Mission Ridge please visit our website at missionridge.church. Thanks for tuning in. We hope the rest of your week is straight up hashtag blessed. 
and that you'll join us again next week for more footnotes. Facial recognition doesn't work when you put a microphone in front of your face. Just FYI. Or a mask. Or a mask, yeah. COVID-19 mask. Ruining the iPhone facial... Facial? Facial? Facial recognition. (laughs) Easy for me to say. Uh, 